You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Somebody say amen. See, we're at that point where we've got we to go back and begin to see that it's his plan and have the right attitude toward it. So therefore, when he got to dealing with me, the hardest thing in the world, even when he told me, because he told me as far back as in 85, he dealt with me with a certain thrust. He made this statement to me, and I wouldn't even make it to the congregation because I just knew they'd go hog wild if I ever opened my mouth with it. He made this statement to me. He said, I want you to begin to pastor pastors and minister to ministers. He says, I'm giving you a new congregation. And I thought, man, I ain't going to say that in my pulpit at home. (laughs) They can run every kind of direction with that one. You know, and I wouldn't even say that part. I would acknowledge the fact that he had told me that I was a pastor to pastor and minister to ministers. Now, that doesn't mean I just ministered to pastors. Some people have tried to define that. He said, minister to ministers. What that was was a job description, not a title. And yet I got a bunch of people trying to make a title out of it now. You know, and lock me into a certain way. No, uh, bottom line, I was an apostle, but I didn't want to acknowledge the title. I didn't want to say what I was. I choked on it. I remember the day that I had to tell my congregation. Finally, God required me to tell my congregation what I was. I didn't want to. And it took me 30 to 40 minutes to ever even get it out of my mouth. I'd get right up to it, and it'd hang right there, you know. And I'd go to say, you know, and I'd say, and, I'm, and I'd go into something else. And I'd had people who already knew. God already dealt with a number of the people, and they'd be sitting out there, you know. They knew what I was, you know. But yet, what happens to us? We don't want to acknowledge that we are a leader. Right? We don't want to acknowledge certain things. But you'll never be what you need to be until you acknowledge God's plan. That's a part of the plan, see? Because he says, start a family church. See, I know in my heart I'll start some more churches before it's over in a direct sense. But I don't think I'll ever be able to go in and just live in a city. You know what I mean? From a standpoint, I I know in, in my heart, more than likely, my ministry probably will be mobile the rest of my life. Okay? very good possibility that I'll never be able to settle down like other people and, and, and live like they do, even though there's been times when I long for it. But I also know, happen to know how my nature is. Okay? I know how God's designed me. And let me say something to you. Uh, you think, well, if I don't do it, God can get somebody else. Well, there's an element of truth in that, and in some instances, no. Because if you stop and think how many years God's put in training you and building you to where you're at, and if you think he can just turn around and drop somebody else in real quick, you got another thought coming. Are you still here? See, it took years. I know I, this is going to be personal, and I hope it doesn't embarrass, but I know Tom Rutherford has lived under a shadow of some things for years. Of people have come along trying to call him, direct him, tell him what to do, and so on like that. But God has been working with him and training him for all these years for him to be what he is to me right now. And I don't need that kind of input for them to undermine the plan of God. Amen. And you've got people in leadership in your church the same way. Amen. You don't need somebody else coming along and, and dropping those, well, you need to be here, you need to be there. You need, hey, they need to be where God puts them. Because right. ain't nobody can do it like they can do it. 
you can say what you want to. You know as well as I do. You got certain people. Ain't nobody touch them where they're at. They're the finest. God's invested years building them into that place. And we want to slough it off in a 10 minute. Well, God can find something. Yeah, God's powerful, but God is a long-term thinker. I don't know if you know it, but he's worked this plan for quite a while. Now, some of us come on, you know, Johnny on the spot. I'll get it in order. I'll straighten it out. I'll win the world, Lord. He'd be making it for 2,000 years without you, hon. You know, we've got to keep that balance, okay? We've got to keep that balance of realizing, yes, God is a planner. He's working it out. And he's got people that can have their effect. They can have their effect. You see, I honestly believe that one of the reasons that Brother Hagin is as effective as he is is because of what God put him through all those years. We can gripe about the troubles and the trials and the pressures and all this thing, but it cultivates and brings forth certain thing in us that will make us effective in ways that nobody else understands. We fit like nobody. I mean, you start you, you start designing. I, I, I saw, uh, well, I can't even remember where it was at. I get, was it Hawaii where I saw that eagle that they had done each individual feather in wood? Yeah. And, and, and they had fit that. I mean, carved those feathers, you know, individual feathers of that eagle. It's a big thing like that. And, uh, oh, I'm, I, you know, intricate work. I mean, had had the golden claws. Had the, the, the head was made out of silver. The, but the whole body part, you know, was of wood. And the way it worked together had blue diamond eyes. You know, I mean, it was a, oh, it was a beautiful thing. It was a masterpiece. And how that they could make that and fit in that work right in. It took hours to do that. God's got his body fitly joined together. And he's done it in such a way that it's taken him time to get you where you're at. Don't try on doing it that quick. We've got to go ahead and continue to grow and develop in what God wants us to be in. To fit into his plan. So that it can have its effect. I've had some situations right now that it's like I've got to start all over again because somebody removed themselves off the scene. And now to take and build that, it's going to take me years to build that back. Years to build it back. Hey, we're very important to God. We've got to have the right attitude toward his plan, the right affection of it, the acceptance of it, and then it'll have its effect. That's all in the plan. Verse 9 speaks of the protection. First is courage, then contentment. It eliminates confusion, but it brings companionship. He said, be strong and of good courage. Do you notice this is the third time he's dealt with be strong and of good courage? I don't have any revelation here other than to think that from this standpoint, God said it once for my spirit, once for my soul, once for my body. He wants us to be of good courage. But then he says, be not afraid. That's speaking of having a contentment in us to where our faith in God, it destroys the doubts. He says, neither be thou dismayed, don't be discouraged. In other words, don't allow confusion to come in. But then he says, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. The Lord thy God is with thee. Companionship. It's good to know we're not in this alone. And it becomes more an awareness of the family coming together. And, and every one of us have faced some troubles. You know what I mean? Particularly, I think nearly everybody in the last year in some facet, some phase. But it's been important to know that we're not alone. 
again, I hope it doesn't embarrass, but I want to point to something. Dr. Gross was at a point of frustration here a while back. He came. And I think it meant, made all the difference in the world when he just realized he wasn't alone. Thank you. you know? I said, hey, Doc, go with me. Took him on the road with me for 10 days. God ministered to his heart, spoke some things to him, cleared areas up, you know what I mean? But it was just that element, hey, he wasn't by himself. Sometimes we've got to have meetings like this just so some of us remember we're not by ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've got to have the companionship. Okay? It's what makes that unit and that powerful element. Now, let me give you one thing right quick. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. I will build my church, my church, my church. The way you can break this up, I don't have a, a thing to draw it on. But if you've got a piece of paper, you remember how we used to draw the deal to play tic-tac-toe? You know? And then just box it in. After you do that, box it in. Okay? And that'll leave you nine squares. Okay? In the bottom three, going from left to right, and out to the side there on the right, just write the gospel. How many of you know we're called to preach the gospel? The gospel is what's going to save people, change their lives, and affect them. But there's three basic elements to the gospel. First is God's pre-creation plan. Okay? God's pre-creation plan. Second is Satan's usurpation of God's authority. How the plan got fouled up. Okay? Then third, God's plan restored. Now with that, you have the simple basics of the gospel. You can take those three. And, and again, this is oversimplification, okay? Well aware, it's oversimplification. But if you go back and get the basics of this, so that you're presenting this every time. Now, why is we say God's pre-creation plan? Because if we don't understand God's pre-creation plan, then we'll never know what to restore it back to. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. See, you, you, you say, well, God's going to restore. Restore back to what? I mean, if you don't have an image and a picture of it, yeah. you've got to know what the original plan was. Okay? People, I've I, I heard certain denominational people that come out with a paper against Earl Paulk here recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, of, one of their things was, you know, that he was talking about establishing back, you know, God's restoring back because he was dealing with restoration. That you didn't have to know what was back there. You know, a guy like that, he's blind in one eye and can't see out of the other. You know, he is spiritually blind. Because you, if, you, if you don't know what it was originally designed at, you can't go back and restore it to that. You're kidding yourself. And you've got to have those basics there. What did God originally design? What did God lay down in the beginning? Hey, for you and I to fellowship with him. So he could come and walk and talk with us every day. And if we don't teach our people that, they'll never be what they need to be. Now, sure, Satan will try to usurp that authority now. But that's the basics of the gospel, those three things. And you can preach anything you want to preach off of those three things. Okay? I don't care if you're talking about healing. I don't care if you're talking about money. You know, you talk about rebellion in the church. Hey, you can show them Satan's usurpation of authority. Hey, you fall on someone. See, you can lay the whole thing out in this perspective. All right, in the next three that go up, 
out to the far right, the minister. So you have the gospel, then the minister. And the three that are there, and here's what we've got to contend for, and here's where uh, this has got to be in the church. And this is every believer in the church, not just the fivefold, but to, to have in the church, first is authority. And that left-hand side, put authority. And what we're dealing with there is the gifts, the ministry gifts in Ephesians 4. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. See, the church will never be what it needs to be without the authority. Okay? Can't function, can't, can't be. Then in that middle one, put character. And there you're dealing with Romans 12 and in Galatians 5. And what you're talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. The church is not going to be what it needs to be without that. Okay? And then in that third one, put power. And that's 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit. Now, see, for years, what we've had is we've had it to where uh, there'd be one emphasized to such a degree that it would be prevalent in the body at that time, but then we'd quit teaching it and go to something else and we'd lose sight of it. And see, for years, we had people who would teach character. Okay? But they didn't have any power. Then we got the charismatics in, we had power and didn't have much character. Are you following me? See? Then, all during this time, we wouldn't even recognize in the five-fold ministry. Because all we had was the pastor and evangelist. Are you following what I'm saying? We've got to have all three. And one without the other, it breaks down. It doesn't have the, it doesn't have the punch that it needs. We've got to have the authority that's involved. we got to have that character there. And then we've got to have the power. Now, see, it's dangerous to have power without character. And there's where lives are cut short. Okay? If you have a flaw in that conduit that that electricity goes through, when you turn the power on, somewhere along the way it's going to burn up. Why? Because that flaw will burn it up. And that's when we had a lot of ministries dying prematurely and things like that. Hey, they had power, but they didn't have the character. If we're going to be what we need to be, we've got to have them all. Then, the top of the row, out to the right side, right, the ministry. Remember, we got the gospel, the minister, and the ministry. Now, what, where does it begin? Out there to the left. We minister first to the Lord. Now, remember, there's a subtitle we taught you last night. First, you speak to yourself so you minister to him. But again, we're dealing with oversimplification. I'm trying to break it down fundamental, okay? First, we minister to the Lord. Second, to one another. Third, to the world. See, we've got people trying to jump up and run minister to the world when they can't even minister to one another. Amen. It's a flaw. Okay? And it's always in order. First, to the Lord. Then to one another. Then to the world. You try to divert from that and you'll be in trouble. Now, in all this and being the leaders that God wants us to, understanding his order, and when you get into the authority element there in Ephesians 4, you get the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and the teacher. Ralph Mahoney helped me here so much. When he simply gave it down, and again, we're dealing with oversimplification, okay? It's more than this, but to, to simplify it. The apostle is like the thumb. He ground, or he, he, he governs. Now, what's important that? He can reach all the others. Okay. 
and he can be whatever he needs to be with each one. All right? The prophet, he's the guide. He points the way. Okay? The evangelist, he's the longest one. He gathers. He can reach the furthest. Okay? The pastor, isn't it interesting? That's the ring finger, and that goes the heart. He guards the heart. The teacher, he grounds. Does that help anybody? And when you, when you put it like that, he governs, he guides, he gathers, he guards, he grounds. And if you're missing any one of those, you're in trouble. Okay? Now, united, you got something powerful. Okay? You got something powerful. You can strike a blow to the devil. Hey, you try doing it without one of them? It's weakened. Have we made sense? Now, there are three robberies that Satan has. What he'll try to rob you of, the ecclesiastical world, you know what I mean, how they begin to look and all their technical terms, they call it pneumatology deficiencies. And all that means is, is they take the Holy Spirit out. And what America is facing right now is the religious world is trying to take the Holy Spirit out of the church. Now, this is the first robbery that you have to be concerned with. Because if you can take the Holy Spirit out of the church, then, uh, well, let's take and put it like this, okay? Let's go and use Russia, for example. Okay? See, where Russia's at came gradually. First, they took the Holy Spirit out of the church. Okay? Then after they, then the church becomes powerless, right? Yep. So then what do they do? Then they take the priest out, the preacher. Okay? So therefore, he has nothing. So then what do they have? Just the building itself. And when they level the ground, then what they say is, there's no semblance of God whatsoever. See, many times that's one of the reasons that buildings are important in some instances is because it may be the last sign that God was ever there. Are you listening? Now, one of the things, the problems that we're faced with here in America is we've gone too far the other way and we've developed mortar mentality. So we're caught up in building the buildings. Okay? And the main thing you want to guard against is losing the Holy Spirit out. Okay? Because as long as you got the Holy Spirit, you can build the cotton-picking buildings. Are you following me? Amen. See, as long as you got the Holy Spirit, you can. There are certain keys to taking nations. Many good things can happen now. Let me point to something about Joshua and Moses. Let me tell you something that I faced, and again, I'm going to speak from a personal standpoint, and, and if there's application to you, great. If it's not, well, then, you know, shelve it. But God began to deal with me. See, I grew up in management. I, uh, well, I guess when I was 20 and 21, I had my own business. And, uh, you know, didn't matter whether it was a yard business didn't matter whether it was a janitorial business. And then even then, I'd go into management. And I got a degree in management. I got a master's in business administration. 
you know. So I got some understanding when it comes to, to management. And I, I, that's how I viewed myself for years. I was a good manager. I was a good administrator. And in the natural, in some ways, I'd kind of like to revert back to that sometime, you know, and not have to put up with the pressure of all the other. Okay? And uh, what you have to see is that's exactly where Moses got. He was a manager. Okay? And he lost his leadership. He became a manager. And if you're not careful, you'll sacrifice some things at times. And uh, I, I, was, I was concerned in my own life because some things wasn't happening right. And it seemed like for I, it was like I lost my desire for some things. And I kept thinking, something's wrong with me. I've gotten lazy. You know, it just seems like I, I don't... You know, there was a time when I was working with Brother Hagen and I was running his organization. We were on 100 radio stations. I could tell you every station we were on, where this out on the dial, what the power was. Was AM, FM, what have you, what kind of response it brought. I had it all right here. I'd published every one of his books. I knew every bit of material in every one of them because I'd edited every one of them, put them all out. I had it because I had managed it. Are you following me? The system that I had set up for their shipping of getting their materials out, three different times they've tried to change it, but they can't find anything that'll work any better. I knew what I was doing. And I know that sounds egotistical, but what I'm saying is when, when you're gifted in an area, you know, you got it and you had it, and that's where I was at. Now all of a sudden, I'm losing all my desire for details. Some of the staff come to me and tell me this and say, "I don't know it. Go handle it." Mm-hmm. You know, and I got to thinking, "You're lazy. You got a lousy attitude." Man, I started condemning myself. I was frustrated. I was down on myself. And I went to the Lord in prayer. But I said, "Lord, what is the problem?" He says, "Son, you're not a manager anymore. You're a leader." See, some of us, now when you start a church, in the beginning, you've got to be both. You've got to be both. Because if you don't manage it right, you won't have anything to lead. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? It's each has its place. But if you're not careful somewhere when God's bringing things up and developing things, you're still trying to manage when God's wanting you to be a leader. See? And anyone knows that I believe in organization. You know what I mean? I'm thoroughly convinced that you've got to be organized. You know? Uh, and I'm goal-oriented. I, I'm, I'm, I'm objective-oriented. You know? I, I get upset with these people who say, you don't have to have any objectives, you know? Hey, don't tell that to Jesus when he went to the cross. That's right. That's an asinine statement. Hey, he knew exactly what the goal was. Okay? You couldn't do that without knowing what the goal was. Okay? We can't do the many of the things we do if we don't know what the goal is. We'll balk at it. And so I believe in all those things, and yet I, I, was, I was struggling so, and I couldn't see the difference. And I began to get some materials on leadership, and I began to examine some things, and I found some things that helped me. And let me just briefly share them with you. Okay? The difference between a leader and a manager Okay? Managers have good judgment. Leaders have vision. Okay? Managers are efficient. Leaders are effective. Managers do things right. Leaders 
do the right things. Now this will help you. Managers motivate people through a system of reward and punishment. Leaders motivate through example. Who ever heard tell of a leader that didn't lead? A leader means you've got to get out front. I remember reading one time an analogy that I thought was so good. You see, as a pastor, one of the things you have to do is orchestrate everything that's going on in the church. And you've got this section and this section and this section and this section. And get them all coming in at the right time is an art. Hey. But see, to orchestrate that, which a pastor has to do, he's got to orchestrate this thing. But you know, before he can ever orchestrate it, the first thing he's got to do is turn his back to the crowd. And before you'll ever be able to orchestrate the thing you got to do, you got to you got to turn your back to the crowd. It don't matter what they think, whether they like it or don't like it. Don't even look at it. Just orchestrate. Make it accomplish what you know is inside of you to be brought out. Does that make sense? Amen. And you will be the leader God wants you to be. Management is the ability to handle daily routine. It means to bring about, to accomplish, to have a change of, or responsibility for daily conduct and routine. That's why when a church gets to a certain size, they need a good business administrator. Because that manager can have the, handle the daily routine. And the leader just needs to keep it directed and going the way it needs to go. In Harrison House, I have a general manager. He handles the day-to-day -day routines, but I'm giving it the direction it's got to go. So I take care of my part, he takes care of his. His object is to manage that to do what I'm leading it in. Does that make sense? And you're going to find the same things true in the church. Okay, there's a parallel. Why? Because we're on God's business. And we're not going to walk into that divine leadership role that God wants us to. <coughs> what is leadership? It is the ability to turn a dream or a vision of a desired future state into reality with and through the cooperation of other people. With and through the cooperation of other people. Leadership is the marshalling of the skills possessed by a majority but used by the minority. Leading is influencing, guiding in direction, course, action, and opinion. When I began to get these things, it helped me. Now, oh Jesus. There are some misconceptions about leaders. And you stop and think about it. If you, don't, if you don't get a handle on this, you won't recognize the leadership God raised up in your midst. People have said for years, leadership is a rare skill. Mm -mm. People tell you, leaders are born and not made. No. They'll tell you, leaders are not to be understood. That's a joke. Amen. You ain't going to be one unless you are. This is one I've heard a lot. Leaders are created by extraordinary circumstances and great events. 
No, that's just when you find out that they are. Here's another one that's severe. Leadership exists only at the top of the organization. See, it's a fallacy. Now here's the one. Leaders control, direct, prod, manipulate. See, actually, it's not so much the exercise itself as the ability to empower others. Now, what about a leader? They pull rather than push. They inspire rather than command. Okay? Now, don't misunderstand me. There is a time to command. Okay? But we're talking about for the most part. A leader is going to be an inspiration. Uh, people can say all they want to about Patton, but let me tell you, he kept that bunch inspired. I mean, he had them ready to go to hell and back if need be. Why? Because of the inspiration. See? And wasn't it amazing? He was always out front. I remember one time I was having a pity party. You probably don't have them, but I've had them. <laughs> and I was having a pity party, and I had an appointment with Dr. Earl Roberts. And uh, I'd been sitting there in the room waiting on him and Richard, and, and Dr. Winslow had been in the prayer tower praying. He come in a little while, and uh, some, well, several things happened, and I'll skip that. But we got down to a point where I, you know, I, because I was having that pity party, I started telling him what was wrong, you know, tell him this wasn't right and that right, this one's doing this one to me, and that was doing that to me, and so on like that, you know, just kind of belly aching, having a big time with it. And uh, he's got some penetrating eyes. He has a way of looking right through you, you know, and. Uh, you know, I'd gone on for a few minutes, you know, talking about this one done this and this one done that. And just so calmly, he turned around and looked at me. He said, Brother Buddy, remember, they only tackle the guy with the ball. You right. see, sometimes we forget that. The reason a lot of times we face the things we face because we're doing something. Amen. That's right. okay. Sure, there's times we face things because we did it to ourselves. But, you know, again, you've got to remember there's an adversary out there. There's an opponent. Sure, he's going to come against you. Another one that you need to keep in mind is that management is never a substitute for leadership. Because I show you companies that are overmanaged and don't have any leadership. Okay. A church can be the same way. It can be well managed, but not have the leadership. God wants his leaders leading. Another thing people will tell you is leaders are charismatic. Well, some are and some are not. Some will tell you it's immoral to seek power. Now why? Because power is often associated with greed, ambition, and those who have abused it and misused it. But I asked the Lord something that helped me. Made it so real to me when he said that there's nothing evil within itself. Power is not evil. It has to do with whose hands it's in and how it's used. See? Now, power most of the time is associated with control. And that creates problems for folks because they're seeing it just as that, as control. What does that tell me? That power is an energy. It's value-lies in how we use it. It's neither good nor evil until we do use it. It has nothing, no element of itself. It has to do with who uses it and how they use it. Now, a primary function of a leader is to keep hope alive because one of the things is constant 
is hope lost. Uh, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. A lot of our people, when they lose hope, they get sick inside. They don't understand what's going on. That's why you got to have that thermostat to keep that hope there. You know, bless God. Here's our goal. Here's where we're going. See, if you don't have that, so one of your main functions as a leader is to keep that hope alive. See, why? Because you don't want their heart deferred. You don't want it getting sick. It'll add sorrow to them. And you can't lead until you learn how to follow. Somebody says, well, how do you know when you failed? When you quit leading is when you quit following. Now, what can I do as a human being that will help me be the leader that God wants me to be? First of all, accept people as they are. Second, center in on the present and forget the past. Third, don't take people for granted. Fourth, trust people. Number five, do what you do without the approval of others. A little footnote to that is, I remember someone saying one time, said, I have to die out to the flesh. I have to die out to their accusations and to their accolades. You got to be dead to both. You start believing the accolades, you'll get puffed up in pride. You start believing the accusations, you'll get condemned and down. You don't need to be up, you don't need to be down. You need to just be on the plan of God. Hey, quit that roller coaster stuff. Now, let me give you 10 dominant characteristics of a leader, and I'll quit. I'll never get through, so I just have to quit. Number one, a leader will always have a clear sense of purpose, a vision. Two, he has persistence. Three, now what's the key to that? If I know I have strength there, I can help build strength into others. But if I don't have strengths in that area, then I find people who have it. I surround myself with them. Number four, he is a perpetual learner. Now, when I say perpetual learner, understand one thing. That's the truth, okay? Not like Paul wrote Timothy and says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay? We're talking about learning truth. You're constantly learning truth. I didn't say what's true, I said truth. Now there is a difference between something that's true and truth. The Bible is true, but it's not all truth. Now it shocks people a lot of times when you make that statement, but I need to make it, okay? The Bible is true, but it's not all truth. Why? Because it records some opinions of some men. And what they said wasn't truth. It was truly stated, but it wasn't truth. Okay. Job said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, that's true, but that ain't truth. Okay. Why? Because it don't set you free. Okay. Number five. Characteristics of a leader is they have a love for work. 
That's why some people never enter into leadership is because they have the Maynard complex. I saw in the paper the other day where they're going to have a 25-year anniversary of that program. You know, they got all the original stars going to put it back, you know. You remember Maynard on Dobie Gillis, you know? When they respond that way, you know right then, they're not leadership. <laughs> Number six, characteristic of a leader is he will attract and energize others. So if you find somebody that's pushing others away, they're not leadership quality. Okay? If they push other people away, they're not leadership quality. Number seven, they emotionally secure. Number eight, they're risk takers. They're willing to step out. Okay? Joshua was a risk taker. Moses was a risk taker. Okay? Abraham was a risk taker. They're willing to take that risk. Now, how can they be that? Partially because of number one, they had a clear sense of purpose or vision, but also because of number nine, they have a fail-safe attitude. We mean fail-safe attitude. They know that no matter what, it's going to be a stepping stone to go on to other things. Even if they fail in it, they're going to get up and go on. Okay? So that attitude works for them. Number ten... The best followers serve people's needs. So they become a good servant. These are the people that will be your leadership. So I don't care if you're over a department in the church. I don't care if you're the pastor, the assistant pastor, whatever position you're in. You start looking for this in other people. And this will help you in who you select. They don't have these characteristics. You don't need them. They're not ready yet. So work on them a while. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. There's many of these things that we could spend more time with. In fact, each one of them we could spend, you know, a great deal of time. But we've spent about all that we can allot at this point. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.